You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. A legendary photo lab is now at your fingertips. ShopDugal.com is the expanded online storefront of Dugal Visual Solutions, a leader and innovator in printing for over 50 years. At ShopDugal.com, you now have instant access to world-class printing solutions such as HD photo and archival pigment prints, acrylic prints, canvas prints, metal prints, photo books, and so much more. And they ground ship for free. So give us your best work and we'll give you ours. Find out more at shopdugal.com slash master. That's S-H-O-P-D-U-G-G-A-L dot com slash master. And use promo code master at checkout to get 25% off your first order. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon. I'm going to host this episode and joining me at the roundtable today are my good friends, Connor and Erica. What's going on with you two? Hey. Oh, oh not too much. Doing well. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking with Connor before we started that he's still waking up, so we'll, <laughs> we'll hopefully uh, keep him awake during the show. At least we don't have a ton of technical stuff to talk about today. Yeah. I like it when we, I, I tended to do those kinds of things, and today we're going to stay away from the, the technical. Uh, Dude, I, I feel like this is <laughs> this is the kind right. of episode that Eric and I will both shine at because we're good at ranting on non-top, uh, the non-technical. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Well, you know, that's what Photo Taco's for. That's not what this episode yeah. is. Mean, we're trying to keep uh, master photography on some other topics. So that's good. All right. So I'm going to start the discussion off with something that's going to seem like it's not too photography related <laughs> at the beginning. And I want to I want to share a story about it. But when we, today's episode is going to be about off-brand lenses. And I wanted to start with kind of the first thing that you think of when someone says off-brand. There's like a, a negative connotation that comes like immediately. Yeah. Right off the bat, it sounds like it's bad <laughs> somehow. Um, and, and somehow our world is one where like brand name is a big, big thing. If you don't have a brand label on the thing, then the quality of that is just, it's not good enough because it doesn't have the brand label on it. And, and we even jump so far which is really a bad thing uh, in my opinion to judge people when they don't have <laughs> the brand name thing that it just, and it's, it's like human nature. Like I don't think any of us want to behave that way, but it just really seems to happen. And, and maybe it's because of, of how advertisers have been for so long involved in all of our mm -hmm. lives that like for generations of time, they've, they've built this into our society and our culture and, uh, so I want to share a little story <laughs> from when I was young and um, it, it's a time I was in seventh grade. I think it was and it was the eighties. <laughs> I even had hair back then. <laughs> and all of a sudden there was, there was this massive thing. So school had just barely started. And of course, everyone came with their brand new clothes that, you know, parents uh, had had gone out and made sure they, they got the clothes they need for their school year and every all the parents hoping that those clothes are going to last them through the whole school year. And uh, jeans were very popular. So most of the kids were coming with brand new jeans uh, for the school year. And within a couple of days, it seemed like there was this phenomenon that was just crazy now that I look back on it, where all of a sudden 
the the genes that you had to have anybody who was trying to be cool which it was in seventh grade that's it all everyone's trying to <laughs> right. do is trying to be cool had to have gerbo labeled genes and i had never even heard of these things like just all of a sudden there were people that were just going crazy over these jeans and it was weird because it was like the week before levi branded jeans rustler branded jeans. there were a few brands that were just fine they were pretty cool and you know it was like they new ones especially looked really nice and and you liked them um but suddenly those weren't good enough <laughs> like gerbo you had to have these gerbo jeans and I mean, a little bit like today, I, I wasn't that big on fashion then either. I was mostly oblivious, actually, to what the cool kids were doing since I really wasn't one of the cool kids. But it even got to me. I'm, I'm not really that into all of this stuff, and I noticed. So it was a massive deal. So, and I remember thinking, well, these these jeans look nice. They're, they're fine, but there wasn't anything like special about them. They weren't that neat. They really weren't even like without the label being on them. I'm not sure I could have told you <laughs> that they were Jabo <laughs> jeans. They they were the same thing, but this label became just a huge, huge deal. So enough that even me, this very oblivious <laughs> teenage kid, uh, I went home and told my mom, I really need to get some Jabo jeans. They're really cool and I really want some. <laughs> And which was weird to my mom. She's like, you've never asked for clothes like ever. <laughs> What's going on here? And uh, so anyway, I we, we went to look at the store. She's like, okay, well, if you actually care about something, let's go check these out. And we went and like, I remember going in the store and seeing signs that were like temporary. Like they had put papers over the top of where the, the jeans were at that had the prices because they were marking these things up. Huh. And the demand was so great that the retailers, they were running out of them and they knew to capitalize on this. So they, I think if I remember right, they were like $120 oh. for a pair of oh jeans. My gosh. And this was in the eighties. This was a long time ago. So uh, it was, it was absolutely crazy. I just, it, looking back, I can't believe how this even happened. And, um, and, and I, I was kind of like, oh, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> There's no way I'm buying $120 pairs of jeans. And I was fine with it. I was like, ah, this isn't that big a deal to me. If I could have had some, that was, that'd be great. But I don't, I don't need these. They're fine. Um, but it, it also did kind of change my view. Like going into that new year of school, my Levi's jeans that I had that my parents were so nice in getting me brand new jeans for the school year. They were fine. I, I liked them. I was very happy with them prior to going to school. And then within days, they weren't good enough. Right? <laughs> they, they, they were not what I needed. And I and enough that I was like, I got to go get a whole different brand new pair of jeans because these are not good enough. It didn't change the quality of the jeans. It didn't change how they looked. It just didn't have the label on it. And that's just, it's, it's really crazy to me to think that that's, it's a phenomenon. I don't think it just applies to clothing. I think it applies to all kinds yeah. of things and and I wanted to talk about that because I think as humans and maybe because like I said maybe it's the advertisers impact for many generations now we've had advertisers that are working insanely trying to sway us into buying their brand and recognizing brands and having brands play a really significant role in all of our lives and 
we tend to make bad choices as it comes to brands. We stay, we, we go by the brand that is advertised to us. So that advertising is a, a massive impact on us. And then we tend to stay extremely loyal to brands too, even though there's no rationale for it, even though they may even have done things that should make us consider changing brands, whether it's raising prices or very poor working conditions for the people producing, whatever it is, there could be good reasons to be considering other brands. And we're just like so programmed into this now that brand really has a, a massive impact on us. So I wanted to share that quick story. Now, tell me what you guys think about brand in general, not specific to lenses or photography, just brand in general. How is it impacting you? Oh, okay. There are definitely some brands that I stick with in my life, but it's not really because of marketing hype at this point. I'm sure at some point I bought in because of marketing hype and then realized that the makers of certain brands make products that I really like and I stand by and as such I have stood by their products and continue to buy them. At the same time, I tried... I being a business person and being interested in advertising and all that stuff, I try to be hyper aware of different branding and stuff. And I constantly am talking my wife who is a a chronic shopper. I'm constantly trying to talk (laughs) her out of buying things that are way more than what they're worth. Um, For whatever reason, cologne or perfume are like prominent in my mind right now where she'll come to me and be like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in buying this brand name perfume. And it's only like a hundred dollars. I'm like, why would you do that? That, that, that <laughs> They're putting their name on a bottle that probably costs them a dollar fifty, and then charging you a hundred dollars for it. That doesn't make sense. You're paying entirely for the brand. Where there are other times when, okay, the brand might actually mean something, um, or the brand is known for quality and obviously is something that they push. So I don't mind paying a little bit more for a brand name if that's the case. But I, I tend in my life to feel like I'm not super dependent. Um, on on finding brand name stuff and sticking with that i have no problem going off brand if um the functionality of the thing is going to be just as good as a brand name okay erica what about you i would say i'm pretty much the same outside of photography (laughs) once we start talking about (laughs) photography stuff my tune will change but i mean I don't care what kind of clothes I wear. I don't care what kind of car I drive. I don't care what kind of TV I have in my living room. Like if I see something and I like it and it it has good reviews or whatever, then I'm gonna get it. I don't really care about the brand. Again, outside of photography. Um, Mm -hmm. And I liked your point about like, are we as humans just overly swayed by the media and advertising and things like that? And I I do agree with that, but I also feel like humans kind of naturally want to fit in and Mm -hmm. kind of going by the brand or going by what's popular right now is a way for people to fit in. So while people like us who don't really care about that, you know, might not be swayed by that, there are so many people out there who see the Kardashians wearing this kind of makeup and, you know, see these celebrities wearing these clothes that, that they will go out and buy that stuff because they want to fit in, they want to be cool, they want to be popular, whatever, they want to do what the popular kids are doing. And I think that has really affected the way that that people advertise, people market, the people you know, find ambassadors for their brands and, and things like that. Yeah. Okay. And and it, I mean brand it, it's a it can be a positive thing 
in regard to photography as, as in establishing your brand as a photographer mm-hmm. and making that be something that's associated to your clients as quality, as something that is going to be a high value service that you're providing to them. That's all a very good thing to, to get associated with you. And, and I think there's even like, as you're going with a, a brand new client, um, if you've talked with them, like I, I know Erica, you, you talked a lot about how you, you love your interviews, uh, with potential clients as you're kind of getting going so that you can, uh, you can make sure you're providing the best service and kind of evaluating them as a client mm-hmm. too. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this a client I actually want? And, and th- that all is part of your brand. Um, uh, an aspect of it though, that can, can happen and, and it's kind of can be unfair would be like, you've gone through all of that and you finally show up for the shoot and they're expecting certain things. Like I'm, they're expecting to see this big fancy camera with a massive lens on the front and, and because they don't know anything about photography, most <laughs> of them are, are not, have no idea if that's not there, then then they're going to start like, man, did we pay the right person to take our photos? Is this, is this going to be okay? And it, and it's been a problem even for some that are like micro four third shooters or some mirrorless cameras that are, are, they look, they don't look the same as what people are used to as being the high quality camera pieces or components. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's really interesting to me about how much brand plays a role in so many facets of our life. And, uh, and so it's it's a it's a decent topic and one that we've why we're doing the episode today we see talked about a lot through our Facebook groups it, it kind of comes up in almost everything and there it's it's really interesting to me to see how people fight for their brand <laughs> Absolutely. In, in the Facebook I mean, think about like uh, yeah. Mac or Apple versus Microsoft like yeah. PC that, yeah. that debate happens all the time oh constantly yeah yeah, and 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 the camera makers too. Mm-hmm. You got you know Nikon and Canon. They they both just like go at each other <laughs> constantly. And now you have mirrorless stuff. There's lots of people who have kind of switched over that. They they prefer it, and and they just dig in. Both sides dig in so hard on like, no, my brand is better, and <laughs> it's it's really interesting to watch all of it. When when if you can kind of try to make it a bit more objective. It shouldn't matter quite as much. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of this stuff that there may be some small facet or some aspect of a particular brand that is, it, yeah, has an advantage in some way. For some specific thing you're doing, maybe there's something where the Nikon brand actually meets your needs better than a Canon or the Fuji or whatever it might be. And, and it's fine. If, if you're really happy with the brand that you've got, that's awesome. That's great. If it's meeting your needs, you're, you're produced getting the results you want. That's really, really good. I just, where I kind of lose it or I can't follow them is, uh, follow them to the idea is where they feel like they have this need to go tell someone else that the brand they're choosing is not good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why? Why do we have to do this? I mean, an example real quickly an example would be like we talked about there's there's always this apple versus um uh, mac versus uh, pc kind of discussion that's going on constantly especially in my photo taco groups because they're very technical focused i get we get it tons and and i'll have someone that will post a question asking about pc stuff and inevitably 
two thirds of the answers will be by a Mac. <laughs> like they don't care about a Mac. That's not what they're asking a question about the best PC to choose yeah. or questions about that. They don't want a Mac. Like they're choosing PC. So just stop with the Mac stuff. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, it's just like crazy to me. Like, why do you feel so compelled to support your brand that you're going to go tell someone else who's already chosen a brand that they're just wrong. You can't use that brand. And anyway, <laughs> <laughs> brand is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to talk about how it comes into play with lenses. Um, and I, I, so we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit here and, and make it more specific. Um, and I want to talk about the importance of high quality lenses. I, I think we as a, in the round table today can all, or we're all going to agree that those are, it's absolutely critical to photographers. They got to have high quality oh, lenses. Yeah. Is, is that yes, right? You guys are 100%. Yeah. So it's it's like it won't matter at all how good an imaging sensor is in the camera body or or a lot of components aren't going to matter if you're going to put like bad glass in front of it. Then you're you're really kind of limiting yourself right out of the get go and a little bit of a soapbox that I wanted to go on here and I'm interested to see where you guys fall on this. I'm going to include filters in this discussion real briefly because I've I've heard this advice given over and over and over about getting like a cheap UV filter to put on the front of a lens <laughs> with the, the sole objective of protecting the front element. And it absolutely drives me crazy. What do you guys think about that? Well, I don't do that. So I don't either. I was afraid that somebody was going to like banish me from the group for saying that I don't do that. So I'm glad you don't do. <laughs> okay. So I don't either. And, and here's the thing. So sure. The, the UV filter, it, it doesn't really change a lot of the lives it goes through. That's why they say the UV filter and they're fairly inexpensive per, to produce. But, it, and, and it, yeah, okay, it may provide a little bit of protection. Like if, you're, if your camera fell off the tripod and landed on the front element, maybe only the UV filter would crack instead of your front element on your lens. But you're putting like, I mean, these are like 10, 15 bucks kinds of things that, that they're recommending. And if you're sticking that on the front of a, like a $2,000 lens, <laughs> that makes no mm -hmm. sense to me Defeating at all. Defeating the purpose like, of the lens. Yeah, you're, you're going to, and, and I don't care the brand. So we're putting step, put the brand aside. You're now, you're, you're like reducing your nice $2,000 lens to that $15 filter <laughs> <laughs> by putting it on there. And it's just not worth the tiny bit of protection that it will come. So I, it just drives me nuts when I, when I hear people like, Oh yeah, you absolutely need to go run out and grab a, a UV filter to protect your lenses. And I say, no, don't do that. Uh, use sure lens caps. Fine. Do that when you're storing it in your bag, uh, and use lens hoods. Those are good. I like those to that kind of provide a little bit of protection too. If they fall, then hopefully the hood will get the brunt of the impact instead of, uh, the lens, but those front elements are actually pretty tough too. So what do you guys do to protect your, your lenses? Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, as a wedding photographer, I'm <laughs> moving really fast and kind of ripping lenses off and throwing lenses on. Uh, so on wedding days, I don't do much. Sometimes I don't even put the lens caps on or the rear rear lens caps on. And it's like the most horrible thing to do. I don't recommend people just do what I do and throw their <laughs> lenses in the bag. Um, but when I'm not in such a hurry, I do exactly what you said. Lens hoods, lens caps, rear lens caps. And that's about it. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, um, well, one of my lenses has a bunch of nicks on it to attest to the fact that I don't do too much, nor am I super, <laughs> super tender, cautious, careful with my gear either. I, um, I, I don't beat my gear up by any means, and I do my best to make sure that it doesn't get bumped or dropped or anything like that. And then I just use my lens caps when they're going back in the bag. Um, but at least one of my lenses. All the other ones are in great condition, but the, the one has a few nicks on the front element because I've been a little less careful, but um, that well, that's more for a lack of care than it is that I think that I would have saved it had I had some cheap filter in front of it. But those few nicks that you've got, has it really made oh, a difference to the images? No, not at all. The, the only time they're right. even somewhat noticeable is if I'm shooting with a lot of light coming directly down the lens, like with a, the sun behind me. Um, but even that, it's it's nominal. It's uh, right. no, It adds a little bit of a flare in the image um, in addition to all the other stuff, um, other flares that you get from having light coming down your barrel. But um, it's it's not anything that I would say is really detrimental. And if anything, it kind of gives my images a little bit of an extra unique look to them. Right. So, I, I mean, I, I think they're they're pretty resilient. Those front elements are amazingly tough. Yeah. So they, they can take quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe in a, a sandstorm, <laughs> <laughs> that might be a challenge. Uh, that, but then anything's going to be a challenge. It's, it's going to rip right through the UV filter, too. So um, they, they, can, they can take a lot of abuse. And even if they get some scratches, it doesn't really tend to affect how the image the, the image quality of the lens overall yeah like, i don't know why that is it seems like it should be a massive deal if you get a mm -hmm. scratch on your lens i've but always thought the same man thing. i have seen i've seen some horribly scratched up lenses and they do still they do a really good job yeah. still it doesn't seem to dramatically affect the uh the quality of the images that you're getting so yeah the, my little mini rant there was please please don't don't put a cheap UV filter on your nice, expensive <laughs> lens. <laughs> Just don't do it. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about the importance of good glass and our advice on off-brand lenses. But first, we need to thank sponsors of this episode. We've been hearing a lot about privacy policies in the past few months, but have you ever heard of a company being proud of their privacy policy? Well, WeTransfer is. They're all about making file sharing easier for everyone, and that includes being sure that you don't need to worry about your privacy. So they don't sell user data, they don't snoop or spy on your files, and they don't want to know your shoe size, your soft drink preference, or your shopping history. WeTransfer serves ads to keep their service free, but never in that creepy... I was just talking about blenders 20 minutes ago, and now I'm seeing ads for blenders kind of way. In fact, they reserve 30% of their ad space to showcase the work of artists from around the world, which is awesome. It's their way of making the internet a nicer, simpler, more beautiful place. So start sending files and see what they stand for at we.tl slash not creepy. <laughs> That's we.tl slash not C-R-E-E-P-Y. You make, we transfer. All right. So let's move on now that my cheap filter rant is over <laughs> and let's talk. And I'm sure I'm, I can't wait to hear what the, <laughs> the Facebook groups have to say about that. <laughs> let's, let's talk about good lenses being like one of the best ways to improve your image quality. So this is a choice I think photographers face pretty quickly. 
as they kind of start their journey to mastering their photography. I remember very well, because it wasn't very long ago, starting to uh, to read everything I could get my hands on for, about photography after I got my first DSLR. And then I found podcasts and, and I found YouTube videos and all of that information was just filled with people telling me I needed to upgrade my camera body and I needed to upgrade my lenses. Yeah. So do you guys remember going through oh, that? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I did both it of those like, things. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, what else are you supposed to do? You're, you're learning how to do this and you're getting advice from people who are producing like really good images. Of course, you're going to take their advice. You're like, well, look at their stuff. They're, they're obviously know what they're talking about. I need to do this. So this, the, what I have today isn't good enough. So I need to go and, and upgrade and that's going to help me to get the images that they're getting. So what, what would you say to that thought process? Mm. My, my general advice when it comes to gear acquisition syndrome to anybody that's starting out is uh, I, I always tell people don't upgrade your equipment unless you know specifically why you're being limited by your current equipment. So it, it, I understand somebody saying, okay, well, I want more focal lengths because I only have a, a nifty 50 prime. And I could say, all right, right well, that's right. a very obvious limitation. Otherwise, I mean, if you're saying I need to upgrade my camera body and your only real answer as to why is because it's a lower end model, I'd say you, you're probably not advanced enough to really be concerned about that right now. Right. Um, so so right. if you're so, coming to me and saying, you know, my, my crop sensor has low noise performance in the shadows, <clears throat> Canon users, um, and I I want to shoot a lot of stuff that's really low key and dark and be able to salvage stuff from the lower, the darker ends of my image. And I'd say, all right, well, that's a pretty good reason to try and upgrade to a bigger sensor or something like that. Okay. Erica, when you made the change, you said you were, you were definitely led into it as you started to learn I about was. it. Did you, do you feel like you made it at the right point? Like, did you make an informed decision or was it like, I'm just following what they say? Mm, I think at the time I was just following what people said, but now looking back uh, on it, yeah, I probably did need to, to upgrade. I would say I, I could have gotten away with upgrading my lenses first yeah, um, right. instead of doing both right at the same time. I did switch from Nikon to Canon at that point. So you know, maybe that would have been difficult to do if I just upgraded my right, body right. Um, or my lenses instead of my body. But I, I, looking back, I think, yes, I was getting into weddings. I had an entry level DSLR. It was super noisy. It just couldn't handle low light situations that I, I was facing in weddings. So, yes, I, I think I made the right decision in doing that. But at that time, as Connor said, I, I couldn't really explain why I needed to, yeah. to make that change i just saw all these other photographers and using all right. these fancy cameras and i said okay i need to do that <laughs> so i did well, a lot and, of money. and to some degree as a wedding photographer you needed to fit the yeah. role like you you needed to show up with a big fancy dslr right, right? yep <laughs> <laughs> just to make the bride and, and mom feel more comfortable like, oh good yeah. <laughs> we we have the photographer we need look they have that cool camera yep. so we're good mm -hmm. to go <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's unfair, but that's really kind of, even today, I think it's a very real thing oh, yes. that they're going to be like, uh, you're going to use what to shoot? My 100%, yeah. Well, I mean, I can even tell a difference. <laughs> I have a backpack that I carry part of the day, and then I have a huge roller bag that um, I carry for the rest of the day. So I have two different bags, and, and part of the day, I just 
carry my my backpack and I get weird looks from people like that's all you have and I'm like oh but you know go look over there I have a Don't you huge worry. bag full of stuff so yeah I mean it's definitely like a perception thing when you're when you're working with with people who like you said earlier Jeff are used to seeing these huge cameras huge lenses massive amounts of gear and then they see you without that and and their perception of you is is a little skewed yeah and i've definitely i'm sure everybody here could probably talk about a time in which they have had somebody clearly trying to be judgmental about the the level of gear that they have so i shoot Mm -hmm. a a 5d mark ii which is what 10 years old maybe more than that Uh, yeah and and a 6d which is now also a the the 6d mark one so it's also a bit out of date but both of them are great cameras i have no problem with it and i have definitely had people it usually happens at weddings some uncle but some uncle buck somebody comes up to me and is like oh yeah you know i have the the 5d mark IV now and i'll start trying to talk to them about the craft of photography and they don't seem to have a huge idea of what that right, is they right. just know that the 5d <laughs> mark IV is the best that you could buy yeah. um in their price range or something and they'll be judgmental of me and i'm like no no it, it I'm do I perform very well um, with the gear that I have and don't feel like I need anything more than that, um, at least for the right. time being. And it's it's interesting to get those kind of snarky judgments from people that um, have clearly gone above that without having any real reason to do so. Okay, so I am a huge believer, and I've, I've said it before a lot on the podcast. I tend to take a lot of heat for it that I think people jump way too fast upgrading their body, mm-hmm. the camera body. Oh, yeah. Those camera bodies are so capable on pretty well any camera that you're getting these days. They, uh, if you're starting out, it's more camera than you can handle. <laughs> it's more camera than you know what to do mm-hmm. with. And it, you're going to be way better off investing in training. And now I'm, we're say, I'm, I'm going to say I absolutely believe investing in lenses is critical. Yeah. And, and so, so that is a very, very important thing. You need high quality glass to get high quality results. That's just, it's, it is a bigger factor than almost anything else. Maybe training is the other thing that would be a a bigger factor, but next to training, having really high quality lenses is super important in the formula of producing really high quality results. Mm -hmm. And the camera body is not one of the top two things that is just it's it's the way I see it. You guys disagree with no, that? No, no. The thing is, I would also say that um, I think that in an order of which of those things come to be the most important, um, good quality glasses is pretty much tied in my mind with quality education that teaches you how to use yeah. your equipment. Um, but the thing is, you don't have to buy all of your lenses before you invest in, in education and vice versa. You can get one right. decent lens and see the difference immediately versus mm-hmm. low level kit lenses that you might find. So yeah. uh, my advice to people when they're looking to upgrade gear and it seems like they're actually ready for it is always to go for like a nifty 50 or something that yeah, is, is inexpensive, but still good quality glass because that will show you what quality glass looks like right that's mm-hmm. right and i always i always uh try to warn people who are in the market for for new equipment if you're gonna buy a new body which you know a lot of people do despite what we're talking about right now <laughs> make sure right. that you save enough money to also buy a good lens to go with it don't just spend all your money on this awesome body in a kit lens because yeah. as we're talking about now you can have a great body but if you have that kit lens on there you're 
you, you might as well not even have that amazing body. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the discussion of branding, I think, again, comes into play. We're not immune. And, and Erica, you talked about how brand, it, you have a more of a, a brand affinity when it comes to photography than other areas of your mm -hmm. life. Like that, that's a bigger role there. And I don't think, I, I think that's very common. I think a lot of photographers there, and we are being marketed to in a huge amount by the camera manufacturers. And they're going to push, of course, their high end expensive gear. Uh, I, I got to think that if you if, if if people actually go into a camera store these days and that probably is very rare now but if you did and you're like yeah you know I think I've outgrown this camera that you're gonna pr you're very likely to have a sales guy like oh yeah here it goes <laughs> we're gonna be able to say oh yeah you need this camera and you know the lenses you've got they're actually not even gonna work on the camera this, this new camera so now you're gonna need these three lenses and you know and if you if you'll go and, and we have this special deal on this big kit and and it could be like you know five ten grand worth of, of uh, something you're gonna get that day and that, that can be kind of crazy. So, okay, but but lenses, the kit lenses that come with the cameras in general, now there's some exceptions to this, yeah. but in general, they're just not good enough. They're <laughs> they are the cheapest kind of lens that the camera maker could produce so that they can have the camera be functional and it can take a picture. They don't want they they can't be in a place where you're you bought a camera and you can't actually take a picture when you get it out of the box. So, um, so they're, they're going to sell you a, they're going to pair it with a lens. We call them kit lenses because they come in a kit, but they're just, they are not good. They are not good lenses. It's not to say you can't get some quality, yeah. um, because you can, you can use them in very specific ways and you can produce some, some fun results. And, and I had a lot of fun with my kit lenses as I was figuring it out. I could learn a lot. So like the training aspects, I could get training and I could have it make sense. Even though my, I had a kit lens, I'd bump up against constraints a lot. Like my kit lenses wouldn't support, um, wide open apertures. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, I was at five, six or, <laughs> or four maybe in, in a lot of cases and it limited what I could do so much that I, it really became apparent very quickly. Like, yeah, I got to get a nifty 50 that can go one eight. Yeah on an aperture so that I can see what that's like. And I can, I can play around with bulk. I can play around with uh, darker scenes and get more out of it. And, and that was a, a really important step in my progression as I was learning how to use a, a camera in having a good quality lens. And it doesn't have to be super expensive. Those nifty fifties are uh, like a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I think young Newell offers one that's even less than that. So, uh, so you can get into a lens that has way better image quality, way better capabilities than, um, than your kit lens for without having to spend a whole lot of money. And then you can kind of continue your progression. You can go and explore some of the areas of photography that actually weren't even reachable with your kit lens and now are, and, and have a lot of fun with that. So that it's very much in line with the recommendations I'd give is, look at upgrading your lenses first before you consider upgrading your body, especially if you're kind of the hobbyist that wants to get step into this a little bit more slowly, <laughs> then, uh, then that's a good way to do that. All right. Now let's talk finally about off-brand lenses. So I want to ask you guys and Erica, you're, you're, it intrigues me cause you, you have this affinity for brand <laughs> in your, in your photography gear. So tell me, what do you think about off-brand lenses? Uh, I I only have experience with two off-brand brands, Sigma and Tamron. Okay. Um, okay. I I own 
a Sigma lens. I own the 50 Art lens from Sigma. Yeah. Um, and I really, really like it. It's I don't use the 50 a lot just because I don't prefer that focal length over others. Uh, but when I do use it, I always get really beautiful results with it. It's it's good glass. It's good quality. Um, and I really enjoy that lens. If I used the 50 focal length more often, I would use that lens all the time. Um, in the past, I owned a Tamron lens and I did not like it at all. Now, this was a while ago. I'm sh- I know people love Tamron now, so I'm sure that <laughs> that is it's definitely an upgrade now. But my experience with Tamron Tamron was not good. I had the uh, I think it was like 28 to 75. Is that what theirs is? Uh-huh. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and it just it was soft. I could never get really sharp images with it. I just was never happy with it. So I sold it and I have never bought a Tamron lens again. <laughs> okay. So what made you step out of Canon lenses and get the Sigma? Why Why did you do, decide to do well, that? Well, I had the Canon... 1.4 non L 50 millimeter. Um, mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, a few, few hundred bucks, maybe like 400 bucks or something. 400, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was. So it wasn't the like just the nifty 50, but it wasn't the L series. And uh-huh. um, I knew I needed to upgrade that lens in particular. And I was going back and forth between Canon and Sigma, reading all kinds of reviews. I, I tried them both out at my local camera store. I am a person that goes to the camera store a lot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so I, I rented both and just kind of did some com- comparisons. And honestly, the Sigma just, it measured up. It was just as good as the Canon and it was significantly less expensive yeah, <laughs> than the right, Canon. So right. I, I okay. went for it. Okay, Connor, what's your experience with off-brand um, lenses? Well, I own a Tamron 24 to 70 and uh, I have the the G1 the older version of that uh-huh. um that's uh-huh. the one that I've also banged up a little bit and the reason that I have done so is because it is a very rare instance in which that is not the lens that is on my camera I I use uh-huh. that thing all the time I absolutely love it I swear by it um I've I've shot with both the Canon 24 to 70 and this Tamron 24 to 70 and I see there there's a slight 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 difference <laughs> but it's s- not noticeable like it, it, you're talking about having to go in and do pixel peeping to really see any difference um in that regard I from getting to play with the G2 version of the 24 to 70 of Tamron. I think that that's phenomenal as well. Um, even better. I, I think it's an upgrade that I, I will at some point make when I feel like I, it's a necessity right now. It is not. Um, at the same time, I know that as far as focusing speeds, the, the Tamron, well, actually I haven't played with the G2 version of the 70 to 200, um, 2.8, but I know at least the original 70 to 200 Tamron was a little bit too slow for me when I was using it. Um, I, I prefer my Canon, um, just, just in finding focus. It it was just a little bit Uh slower, a little bit noisier. I didn't like that so much, especially since the only time I really use that lens is the handful of times a year that I'll go and shoot weddings. Otherwise I very rarely use a 70 to 200 um so so in that regard i i really do like tanron it's something that i think that um is worth comparing back and forth i've also i had an extended loan of the sigma 50 millimeter art and 
man, I love that lens. I don't love it en- <laughs> enough to buy it, but that's <laughs> that's more because I shoot. Uh, I s- still shoot the little plastic fantastic, the nifty fifty, um, and yeah. the. I, I don't use a 50 millimeter enough to warrant spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on it, even though, yes, it is significantly cheaper than the L series. I've even owned the Canon, the mid range um, that Erica was talking about, mid range 50 millimeter lens. And I, I thought that it was comparable to to both the L series Canon lens and the Sigma 50 millimeter. So if I were to go to anything, I probably would just go back to that. Um, but that's pretty low on my priority list, my want list of lenses and things like that. Overall, I've actually been very, very impressed with Sigma's uh, lenses in general. I've had the opportunity to play with quite a few of them and they're gorgeous. I, um, I would say that honestly for any prime, if I was going for a high dollar prime, I would definitely go for a Sigma over a Canon in most cases. Um, so I, I think that they're great. It's kind of interesting because there's always a fear of going off brand in that, oh, what if these companies aren't great? But especially just talking with representatives of both brands, um, Sigma and Tamron, they really stand behind their their stuff too. They have great manufacturer warranties on everything. Um, so that's something that if you're not sure, if you've never played with them and you're not, not looking to rent a lens, you just want to bite the bullet and jump in, I think that you would still be served very well by looking at both of those brands. Okay. Very, very good. And, and I, I'm glad to have you guys go first. <clears throat> Sorry. Because you guys are like the pros. <laughs> so this, you know, if, if there's a market or a place where it might make sense to do the brand, then it would be with you guys. You're, you're shooting. This is how you're making your living. Image quality is a big deal. The lens quality, the build quality is a big yeah. deal. You need the lenses that are going to last. Yeah. So it, it, and those are cases where brands do earn a reputation and, and that is a place where it matters. It's not just like the hot thing the cool kids did that Jerbo jeans <laughs> happened. This is like, there's a reason that the brand is preferred and it's because it's got high quality, both in build and image quality, and they've, they've earned a reputation. So, so that would be a place where it matters. And yet you still have instances where you're like, yeah, you know what? The, the third party, the off brand, it was not only good enough, it was better yeah. for for some situations. And I, I think the the reason for that would be that uh, Canon in particular, I mean, they have super high quality lenses. I'm not knocking Canon lenses at all. Um, and, and they've earned, a re- the, the reputation is very earned. There's a good reason why that brand has earned the reputation it has. They're super, super high quality lenses. Um, but they're also very expensive. And they don't tend to get updated very frequently. Like I think part of the reason the off-brand lenses have really gained popularity is twofold. You have the off-brand picked up their game a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and you had Canon in particular, but uh, the others, they, they didn't produce new versions of their lenses for a long time. And, and so it allowed, they, they left the door open for the third parties to catch up and even pass them in some instances. And, and so while brand, I just want photographers who are listening to kind of try to put some blinders on when it comes to brand with lenses and give it a fair evaluation. I think what Erica described as doing in going to a store and renting both kinds and do a comparison yourself or, or Connor, you said you did the same thing. You, you did the evaluation, yeah. you compared them. 
that's that's kind of what I'd encourage you to do. The, the lenses are expensive enough that kind of doing a rental, a couple of rentals is not going to be a big deal Yeah, in comparison to the cost of the lenses. And if you can save yourself like half the money and you're going to, you, you try out one of the off-brand lenses and, and are pleased with it. And it's not like so different between the brand name and the off-brand, then you might be able to save yourself quite a bit of money and still get a fantastic improvement in the image quality mm-hmm. and, and really end up at a good place. And so my own experience, there is no way I can, I'm going to do name brand. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not going to happen because that's, I am not the pro. I am not the one that's going to be putting these things through all kinds of torture. Um, I am a hobbyist photographer and I, but I really want image quality and I know the kit lenses aren't going to cut it. So that means I have to invest. It just, there's no, other way to get there you're, you're not going to produce magic out of those kit lenses and uh, and you're going to have to invest in glass that's it's a reality so um so to me the off brand is really the only choice i'm not there's no way i'm going to ever spend money on the the name brand especially when the the quality difference between them is so tiny that it just there's no possible way for me to justify yeah. that <laughs> it's just not going to happen so I, I personally have invested in Tamron. There's, uh, they're slightly less expensive than the Sigma stuff. For most, in most cases, you may have sales that happen where it's, it's not the case. But you know, it's not a huge difference, but enough that I could save even a few hundred more dollars. So, so I, I've invested in Tamron. I love the G2 series lenses. Um, I, the the thing that used to kind of be the difference between name brand and off brand, you you could the image quality I think was pretty has been pretty similar for quite some time, but the build quality of the lenses has been not yeah. close in the past. And um, and I, I would say that even for the G1 Tamron, they're fine. I mean, Connor, you're yeah. you're abusing one. <laughs> and it's it's holding together. It's doing the job. It's it's making it through. It's it. taking a beating um, and it's held up it's very well. Which is is really important factor. That's that's great to hear. Even the G one, but my goodness, it, the G two, the build quality, they really stepped it up yeah. as in the build quality. And I think Sigma Art Series stuff, it's the same story. Mm-hmm. The build quality has really really improved and is is a massive difference. Yes. And and so that even closes the gap further enough that I it I think Canon and Nikon have looked at that and said, oh boy, we really got to release some new lenses here because those third parties, they're really good now. Yeah, <laughs> and and we've got to justify our price tag, or we're going to lose the market. They're going to go buy these lenses. There's no, there's not a reason, um, besides maybe our marketing, <laughs> to to uh, for for photographers to go and choose them. And and so it's, it's the whole point of this episode is to try to encourage open-mindedness when it comes to lenses <laughs> and and check out the the other ones that are out there. Now, there's a couple of other makers that we haven't talked a lot about yet. So there's Young Newell. And I would say um, my experience with that has been the build quality is not quite up to, to par there. Their yeah. build is, is plasticky. It's probably not something that's going to last you for long periods of time if you do... Uh, especially out in the weather that they're probably not going to weather well, but the image quality is there and, and the price, wow, they are very inexpensive mm-hmm. lenses. So if you're looking to go and, and test this out and, and just see what a better lens will look like, especially over your kit lens, 
I would not hesitate at all to go go try out a young Newell. Go go spend the the tiny bit of money it's going to take to get that, and and uh, see what it's like to have a little better glass in front of your your sensor. The other one is Tokina is a pretty popular off brand. Um, again, the build quality I don't think is quite up to par there. Um, I have a Tokina lens that that I've used in my first tries at astrophotography it was uh, especially with my crop sensor i needed something really really wide and and it was one that provided that and uh it did fine the corners especially wide open the edges of the of the lens were really poor (laughs) (laughs) significant coma and, and lots of image quality issues there when it was fully wide open um, which made me go to a different kind of lens, which is the, um, I bought one that was branded Rokinon, but that, that it's branded differently depending on where you buy it in the world. So uh, Rokinon, Bauer, and Samyang are all exactly the same manufacturer, and they just put it out under three different brands, which confuses me. Like, how does that make sense <laughs> to do this in a world where everything is, is global so these about days? So branding does not i don't understand why they have three different brand names for the same lens but that so any one of those three they're uh they're really super good for the astro yeah like better than i think than than almost any other they are manual focus so there is a downside there but for astrophotography just really good prime lenses that do a phenomenal job with astrophotography yeah i I forgot to mention i also have some experience with the rokinon um lenses and and i'm very impressed with them optically they look wonderful as long as you don't mind having a manual focus lens which in the cases that i've used them it's actually been for video work and they're they're gorgeous they're really beautiful and in video oftentimes you're using manual focus and it's a nice smooth manual focus as opposed to just taking an autofocus lens that you're trying to manual manually focus sometimes you get some uh catches and clinks as you're doing that but for video the the rokinon lenses are really phenomenal in fact uh, many of them are even made with um, gears for you to be able to connect a a focusing rig to so you can dial it in even more precisely and uh, yeah I, I stand by them as well. If you're interested in any kind of astro work or videography, Rockinon's definitely worth looking into. And because they're all manual focus, they're just that much cheaper, which is fantastic. Right, right. right. Okay, so there we go. There's our advice with <laughs> with regard to off-brand lenses. Have an open mind and and try them. That's what we're we're saying. And if you decide that the name brands for you, that's fine. You know, whatever works for you. That's that's great. But Give them a shot. Let them, let them see if they can impress you. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our doodads of the week. Connor, let's start okay, with you. Okay. So, so mine is actually one that I haven't bought this yet, but it will be an upgrade that I'm getting in the near future. Um, it is the Logan 350-1 Compact Elite Mat Cutter, and that is for making <laughs> cutting mats for prints and printing stuff i I encourage people to print their work because i really do believe in um, the quality of print and for any kind of paper print i think that they end up looking fantastic in a frame as long as you're matting them Um, i think it looks a little bit more high art and nice so i like to cut and well even build my own frames and cut mats and this mat cutter is a a decent price it's right around a hundred dollars it's a pretty good price for something that um works properly essentially what i had before was a straight edge that had a little channel that i could run um the the razor through and that made it kind of hard because i had to really force 
everything to stay where it's supposed to be where this this mat cutter it has kind of kind of a hinge arm that is connected to the cutting surface so you don't have to work quite so hard to make sure everything's staying together in the right place it's not holding down a ruler well very difficultly cutting through board um, so I, I recommend this for anybody that's interested in printing and framing their own work uh, again the logan 350-1 compact elite mat cutter all right erica what about you so mine is the iFootage Cobra 2 C180 carbon fiber monopod. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> many words uh, there. Yes, many words. So it's it's an awesome monopod. I just, just got it recently. I actually use it for light instead of oh, using cool. it as like putting my camera on it. I put lights on it um, to make it more mobile during the wedding but what I love about it, well, there are lots of things I love about it. One, it's carbon fiber, so it's really lightweight. Really just, it's not heavy, it's not clunky. It's large in terms of, of height, but it's so lightweight that it's easy to lift up in the air and move around as I need it. Another thing I really like about it, it has quick release both on the feet on the bottom, so it has a really sturdy uh, uh, feet on the bottom, so you can make it almost into a, a tripod if you'd like. Yeah. And it's really sturdy. I've used a lot of these monopods with the feet that just they're, they're the feet are too small or they're really wobbly. They're not sturdy enough to where I would trust it with a speed light on it just to stand it there for a second. But this one, I can do that and I don't have to worry about it falling over and, unless somebody knocked into it. Um, mm -hmm. So it has those feet, but it has a quick release for those feet. So you can take them off if you don't want them. And it has a quick release for the top. Uh, the mounting bracket on the top so you can take that off the top and put it into the feet and essentially have like a little uh, tabletop tripod. tripod yeah that's which is so cool really cool and convenient as well um it's really high quality i haven't i, I don't feel like it's it's um like wobbly or i feel like it's going to fall apart i've just been really happy with the build of it the quality of it and the 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 weight of it especially sweet it's about 180 bucks yes so we'll have a link to it over in the show notes, and that's great. And mine actually fits right along with it, because you're going to need, a, if you're going to put like a speed light on top of that, you're going to need something that's going to adapt it from the tripod mount to the the hot shoe or, or cold shoe kind of adapter. And so mine is the Frio Universal Locking Cold Shoe Adapter. And this is, It's this little tiny plastic thing that's $13. And yet it's it's held up extremely well. I've used it a lot on top of my monopod. I do kind of the same thing. I put my speed lights on top of the monopod and have my assistant, my wife, hold the light in place with these things. And so they're inexpensive and they they hold up very, very well. They're the build quality, it's even though they're kind of a plastic, it's the kind that's gonna weather really, really well. It doesn't I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's not like the hard plastic thing that with some pressure like snaps. It's uh, it's more gummy. This <laughs> is how you'd say it. And uh, and so it, it does just a phenomenal job. The 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 piece that your speed light can plug into, or at least the the bottom part's metal that goes onto the tripod mount, the tripod screw. It's a metal screw that goes in there, but then your your uh, speed light, and it's universal, so it, all the different kinds of speed lights that that kind of use the the hot shoe mount um, go in there. And it's called cold shoe because none of the conductors are, you know, none of the pins are going to conduct through 
the adapter to anything underneath. But in the case of using it on top of the monopod for a flash, you're not relying on that anyway. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a great little adapter. I tend to lose, like I bought other kinds of adapters along the way and I tend to lose them. I, I, I like need the monopod to actually be a monopod for a little bit. And I take off the adapter and then like it's gone. I'm like, what happened to my, <laughs> where did I put that adapter? So these are cheap enough that uh, it's nice to just have a few of them and like, well, I'll just go grab another one of those Frio uh, cold shoes. So, I'm going to look into those. There you go. There's, yeah, they're great. I actually, they were recommended by Levi Sim. That's where I picked, mm. I, I got onto them. So he uses them constantly with, uh, with his mm -hmm. lights too. So. Very cool. All right. We're going to remind you that everything related to the, the podcast is over at masterphotographypodcast.com, the new home for the show. So you're going to go over there. We have searchable show notes. So if you've liked the topic of the show, you can't remember exactly what we talked about on it or want to see the show notes, head over there. It's, it's really nice to have that. Our Facebook group is Master Photography Podcast. Just search for that and you can go in and ask to join the group. We do require you to answer a question. You have to tell us the name of a host. So Jeff, Connor, or Erica will work and then we'll let you in. We just want to keep the, the spammers and the bots out of there so that it's really just listeners that are in that group. And it's a, it's a really fun community to be a part of. If you do Facebook and I know not everyone does and that's fine, but if you do Facebook, go, go join that group. It's well worth the time. Connor, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Connor Hibbs Photography. You can find my website at www.connorhibbs.photography. And you can find the other show that Eric and I are a part of at PortraitSessionPodcast.com or by searching Portrait Session on iTunes. All right. Erica, what about you? Uh, I, I will second Connor's Portrait Session plug there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> if you want to find my work, you can search for me online, on Instagram, on Facebook by just searching for Erica K Photography. And that is Erica with a C. Yep. Erica and K-A-Y. Mm -hmm. All right. So you can find my work, jsharmanphotos.com. You can listen to my other way more technical podcast over at photo taco podcast if you want all the geeky information you're going to go find it there uh, with show notes and, and all of the stuff searchable there in fact i just published this week my buyer's guide to the 2018 macbook pro like where it's worth spending money if you're going to be using lightroom on the mac um, and where it's not where you can save yourself some money so if you're Looking at buying a new, brand new MacBook Pro, go check out that article over at phototacopodcast.com. Get a little guidance on how to make sure your investment's good. Then on uh, Facebook, I'm Harmon Jeff. On Twitter, I'm Harmon underscore Jeff. Ugh, I wish I had Harmon Jeff. And Instagram, <laughs> Harmon Jeff. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Thank you, Erica and Connor, for joining me at the roundtable today. And we will see you all in another seven days. 